welcome to episode four of the Telling the Story podcast. This is the audio branch of the Telling the Story blog at tellingthestoryblog.com, a look at how journalists and everyone reach the world. I'm Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC TV in Atlanta. Now, I don't say this lightly, but it's about to get very real. The big story in the world of journalism right now the Chicago Sun-Times firing its entire photography staff. They say they plan to use freelance photographers while having their reporters shoot photos with their camera phones. This was a shocking announcement that led to a big blowback, not just from readers, but also from photographers across the country, essentially saying they as a whole were not being respected or appreciated. It made me think a lot about how the newspaper photographer is probably one of the most misunderstood or maybe just one of the most not thought about professions or positions in all of journalism, just in terms of day-to-day life, crafting, storytelling. So to that end, I've invited to the podcast today a guest from just down I-65 from the Windy City. It's the Indy City, Indianapolis, and from the Indy Star photographer, Matt Dietrich. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Good, how are you? Doing very well. You've been doing this a while, by the way. How many years of experience are we talking here? Uh, I've been at the Indianapolis Star for 15 years. Um, I picked my first camera up when I was in sixth grade, so... Uh, I'm 44. You do the math. Uh, quite a while. I mean, I kind of grew up in photography. My dad always took pictures. My brother's a professional. So I got started early. That's cool. So not just a profession, but also a passion. Absolutely. Very cool. Now, I don't want to spend our entire half hour talking about the Sun-Times for sure. I want to go much broader than that. But I did want to ask you about the decision to fire the photography staff, to get rid of the department. Do you look at that, and and are your colleagues looking at this as a one-time thing, one newspaper kind of taking its own step, or is this, would you say, a sign of the times, and are news photographers across the country worried? You know, it's hard to tell. Um, We've seen lots of layovers in past years here. Um, You know, probably over the past five years, I've seen over 150 people go at this newspaper between photographers and reporters and editors um, with the sign of, of being money, you know, trying to cut back here and there. But, uh, when I heard they fired the whole staff, I was in, I actually found out on Facebook, I was in Miami covering the Pacers in the playoffs. Um, and you know, I woke up and, you know, I saw that and my stomach just dropped. It's, it, it's hard to fathom. It's, it doesn't surprise me. Um, it feels like it's about the almighty dollar. Um, but this is not the way to do it. And you said, you know, obviously, you know, a newspaper is a business. Money <clears throat> is such a critical part of that. And you mentioned in your answer there about how, you know, it, it's not just photographers and newspapers who are feeling the pinch these days. It's really everybody. Do you feel like this was a decision by the Sun-Times to kind of knock out a department in one fell swoop as opposed to kind of picking at each department? Boy, it's hard to it's hard to elaborate on that. I I don't really know the the thought process behind why they did that. I've just never seen anything like that in the history that I've ever owned a camera. Um, I've only seen a few people here, a few people there. I, I really can't wrap my head around why they would just dismantle one whole department. It, I mean, in, in such a a special department for a newspaper. Um, you know, we are the people out on the streets. Um, I feel more than, you know, reporters and everybody at the newspapers. I can't tell you how many assignments I go to where I'm the only person there. And the reporter's already done a lot of legwork via telephone. Um, I think we're valuable out in the streets because we, you know, we are meeting these people face to face. We are going into these places 
looking at the bulletin boards, looking for story ideas, handing out business cards, um, crafting ideas. Um, you know, I've been here 15 years and, you know, I feel special to the point where yearly events come up. We cover the same things to the same people, but I've got people running these events, you know, asking my editor, can Matt Dietrich come cover this assignment? It's, it's mm -hmm. a special thing that we get in the community that there are so many people that I've made contacts with, um, you know, yesterday we're starting to work on a story on child hunger, and I went to uh, an MLK Youth Center, and I walked in, and I knew the director. I gave him the mm -hmm. card, and he's going to help me pave the way. But that's because I've spent years out on the streets. I've known this guy. I've covered several events. So we just constantly build contacts. And, um, you know, to ask a reporter to do, you know, a photographer's job and their job and an editing job you know, they're not going to be able to spend that time with those people that, that you know, I get an opportunity to do, you know, day to day. So I, I don't know how this is going to work out. And, you know, certainly <clears throat> what you talk about with just having boots on the ground, I think is such a, obviously an important part of this that, that you know, people who look at the decision from a, from a broader spectrum, I think they look at it as, you know, well, you're, you have to replace the people who are taking the photos. But obviously, as you're describing, it's not just that. And, and there's kind of a much more uh, a social element. There is a just a, an experience element that I think comes with having your feet on the ground and being in so many different places over the course of a day, which, as you said, reporters are usually not doing. Right. Right. And, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to replace photographers. When I go to a high school football game, you know, I've been here long enough. I know the referees. I know the coaches. I know the kids, I know a lot of parents, and, you know, I walk onto the field and people are waving at me saying hi. I mean, that's a rapport that you cannot just start over with. Um, when I'm on a football field, you can't shoot that with an iPhone. When I'm in a spot news event, you don't have the lens to be sensitive and stay far enough back and actually capture those gripping moments with an iPhone. There are things you can do with an iPhone, and we're doing it on a day-to-day -day basis. But there, there's just things technically that you're not going to be able to do. And, you know, um, the credibility of the iPhone, everybody has them now. So when I go to events, you know, sometimes people look at me weird that I'm shooting video with a phone instead of an actual camera. But, yeah. uh, you know, the turnaround time is so much greater right now with what we do um, that that's kind of what we have to do. Couple of elements there that I wanted to dig deeper into. Now you talked about the equipment question. I wanted to get into that a little bit. The iPhone cameras, obviously, on a consumer level, they're they're pretty nice compared to what phones have had, even you know, just two or three years ago. Is there any is there any legitimacy to the theory that at least in certain cases they can handle the job of recording photos for a newspaper or at the very least a newspaper's website? Uh, I believe so. Um, you know, once I got the iPhone. Um... For Christmas, I gave my daughter my Nikon point-and-shoot camera, and I have not yeah. replaced it because I don't need it. I'm happy with the iPhone. Um, it takes just as good or better pictures, and now with all these different apps that we have, it can handle a lot more, you know, a lot of different things. That The point-and-shoot camera still can, um, but it's just something I'm a little bit more comfortable and used to. You know, we go to spot news events. You know, um, I was on an 8 to 4.30 shift. I carried a scanner. Um, my first role was to go to the scene, get there, roll 30 seconds of an iPhone video. While I'm rolling, push the button, take a still, and then when I'm done, email the still from that camera, from the iPhone, 
uh, go into iMovie, cut the 30-second video, raw video they called it, and ship it back to the newspaper so they can say fire happening right now. Okay? Right. And um, I'm to the point now, I don't really send a raw clip. I'll take three or four 10-second clips, and I can cut them just as fast to try to give the reader a little bit more of a journalistic piece as to what's going on and still get it there in a timely manner. So it does have its role in what we do. And I think the other thing that I wanted to ask about your previous answer, which you touched on a little bit there, is just the online element and how, you know, I I think when you hear about the Sun-Times decision, obviously, I think they are pointing at a direction where a website gets as much, if not more, traffic than a newspaper itself. And you mentioned it's not just your job is not just taking photos anymore. It's taking photos, taking videos and even editing videos for the online element of the Indie Star. How much of that, you know, so how much of that can be done with the phones or even with point-and-shoot cameras? And how much, do, how much do you benefit then from having the equipment that you're used to? Where does that find its place in this new world order? Well, the nice thing about here is, in a way, they want it back quickly. <clears throat> but in a way, they trust us to the point that it's kind of up to me. Um, what equipment I, I want to use. If I'm on an assignment, sometimes you know, they'll say, give us a quick iPhone turnaround. If that's not necessary, I can use my iPhone to do stuff. I can use my DSLR, my pro camera to shoot video. Or I can just take audio uh, with my iPhone or my Zoom recorder and you know, build a multimedia piece that way. So they kind of leave it up to us. Um, everything, when we got done with the, the iPhone training we had at Gannett for a week, was iPhone right away, everything, everything, everything. That's kind of calmed down a little bit, um, and, and I'm kind of glad. But, you know, one thing I'm trying to do with 85% of my assignments, I try to shoot an iPhone video, whether they ask me to or not. Um, when I'm in a situation that I take a still picture, I just get my iPhone out that I keep right in my bag. I can pull it out just as fast as a lens and take 10 seconds here, 10 seconds do you there. Think, do you think that's made you a better journalist? No. Being able to do that? No. I, I, I don't believe so because it's hard for me to concentrate on one thing and do it 100% because in the back of my mind, I'm going, okay, iPhone time. And I've missed moments with my, what I call my big boy camera that I've gotten with the <laughs> iPhone. I mean, it's okay. I still record the image and it served its purpose. Um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult when you know that you have to go to an assignment it's a high-profile assignment. You have to get a page one picture. You have to shoot enough photographs for a photo gallery. Then you have to shoot enough video to produce an iPhone video. And there's times when you're at this high-profile event, you have to ship that video back immediately while this, high, again, high-profile event is going on. And trying to make the decision at the right time when to do what, it's, it's kind of difficult sometimes. Yeah. So let me play devil's advocate with you because this is the argument I th- that I think gets made a lot. So I have an iPhone, of course, but I also have a point-and-shoot camera that I do use a lot. It's Panasonic, has 20x zoom, you know, great stuff when I go on vacations, a couple hundred bucks. Took it out last week to uh, Yellowstone, posted about 100 photos to Facebook, and some of them were super crisp. Mm-hmm. And I had people tell me, boy, you know, you could should send that photo to National Geographic, right? And you hear that a lot, and... I know there's a big difference, you know, and I can tell the difference between my close-up photo of a wolf that I took with my point-and-shoot and and a photo that 
the guys standing right next to me at Yellowstone with giant telephoto lenses are going to get. Right. But do you worry that 99% of your readers either can't tell the difference or more likely just don't recognize or appreciate that difference in what you're doing? Um, I'm kind of a purist, uh, kind of a perfectionist. That's a curse and a blessing in this industry. Um, sometimes it doesn't bother me. Um, I use a, a really cool app on my iPhone. Um, I'm trying to think of what it's called. I don't have my iPhone with me. But you can scrub through your video frame to frame. And that mm-hmm. has helped me sometimes grab a couple you know, stills that I've actually sent to the paper or the web. And again, like you said, 99% of the community is not going to know. But there are certain pictures that I'm taking with my professional gear that have to be done with the professional gear. It has to be to my liking. It has to have my signature on it, which would be a certain lensing or a certain look pertaining to what's going on that's not available with that iPhone or that point-and-shoot camera. Yeah. And when, when are some examples? I know you mentioned, you know, night sporting events where you're outside and you need the, you need the extra juice that, uh, that a DSLR can give you. When are some other examples when you're out in the field where you're really benefiting from having that stronger gear? Um, a lot of general news um, or even spot news. Uh, a lot of times you're held back from the scene. Um, I'm relying on my 400-millimeter lens, you know, because it's the longest lens I have to get me and zoom into that action to capture that moment. General news, you know, we're covering press conferences or um, funerals or, you know, anything that puts me in the back of an auditorium uh, that I can't get up front with. There's, there's, there's more things that I need my pro gear for than you might think or the general public might think. Yeah. yeah. So one thing, you know, and, and I mentioned this at the top of the podcast, but, you know, one thing that I noticed a lot <clears throat> when this news came out about the Sun-Times were – Photographers saying that people don't really understand our jobs and readers and just people, you know, friends of mine on Facebook who aren't in the business were saying, you know, boy, you know, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, surely there's a reason that this department is here and, you know, and and, and needed to be here and still needs to be there for for so long. So I wanted to dig in with you about that. and, And I guess my question to you is, what is the biggest misconception or the, the biggest thing that people just don't know about your day-to-day life as a newspaper photographer? Wow. Um, boy, that's a broad question. Um, yeah, we, we dig deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, boy, where do I begin? So you're saying, what is it that the public doesn't understand of what we do? Um, yeah, I mean, even, even just in the day-to-day life, I thought, for example, you mentioned just being on the ground, making contacts. I thought that was a big thing. What else would you say that people really don't maybe grasp about what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, how much time we spend at events, um, how much mental preparation that, that we go through to shoot an event, um, how much time it takes after an event. Um, by the time I'm shooting and I'm cropping and I'm toning and I'm captioning, um, pictures aren't just happening, happening immediately like it is, you know, when people take a picture and put it on Facebook. You know, there's some crafting, some personal crafting into the images. Um, before we got on assignments, I like to call my subjects and say, I'm with the star. This is who you're going to meet. Um, I just want to make sure everything's happening on time. And like it says on the assignment, um, a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, a lot of people think, you know, yesterday I went to do a picture uh, for uh, Father's Day story 
about fathers who had quit their day jobs to work a night shift to be with their kids. I walked in, they're all dressed up and they say, what do you want us to do? And I said, well, <laughs> what I, I've had that happen. Yeah. Too. What I'm hoping to do is spend some time with you and your children just to, to hang back and capture some natural things that happen. Well, the reporter said that, well, we just want a family group picture. Um, so, you know, a lot of the times I'm breaking down misconceptions that we, you know, we're going to come in and set up a photograph, um, you know, <laughs> things we like to do there. Um, that, that you're a portraitist, basically, is the misconception you have to break. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, if we have a busy day, uh, my job just doesn't end here at the paper. When I go home, I may be finishing some, some stuff up at home. Um, when bad weather breaks, you know, I'll leave my house at, you know, 10 o'clock at night or my day off to go cover the weather if some spot news happens. So we're on 24-7, really. You know, mm -hmm. very rarely do we get woken up in the middle of the night for stuff, but we're, we're always, photographers are always on. You know, we don't go home at 5 o'clock and shut ourselves down. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of things like that behind the scenes that, like you mentioned, people don't, don't really see. One thing that, uh, that I never really understood until I got into the industry and, and met a lot of newspaper photographers were the amount of freelance gigs that you guys do on the side. I know, you know, it's in some, in some way I would just assume that's another means of income, right? That you've, you know, that in a lot of cases you are going, maybe doing a portrait or doing a wedding here and there yeah, to kind yeah, of boost the income. Occasionally we're, you know, we're allowed to do that as long as it's not for a competing publication. Um, sure. Yes. And yeah, there is a lot of uh, things that people ask us to do on the side. I used to do a lot more, but my, my daughters are 14 and 11. So my time <laughs> with them is a little more important than an extra 200 bucks for a, you know, a corporate portrait or something. Uh, yes. But yeah, there's a lot of that that goes on as well. Is that, is that a matter of, you know, just finding a place where you can use your gifts? Because again, you know, you're talking about, every, you know, everybody in their own mind is a great photographer, right? So it's almost something that you have to convince people of the professionalism of it. So you have to find times, you know, you have to find spots like corporate portraits, weddings, places like that, where people really do <clears throat> appreciate what that, that extra bit of skill and crafting makes. Yeah. I mean, for an example, you know, I've shot a lot of weddings in the past and um, there's times when I'll be sitting with the, the bride and we're looking through my work so she can decide if she wants to use me. And she says, what's your price? And I said, $3,500. And she goes, whoa. And I said, well, do you, did you enjoy the pictures you just looked at? She's like, they're amazing. I said, okay, there's the first step. I said, how much did you pay for your wedding cake? How much did you pay for your wedding dress? How much did you pay for your flowers? And all of those were close or just as much more than, than any, you know, what I charged for the photography. And I said, think about it. What are you going to have 30 years from now? You're going to have photographs, you know? And I said, you're paying for these images. You're paying for my professionalism. You're paying for my personality. You've obviously liked me enough to, to bring me here to look at my stuff. You know, <laughs> you've got my good references. So you're, you're paying for a journalistic look. Um, so there's a lot of different things to tie into that. Yeah, like you said, they'll, they'll go ahead and hire, hire their Uncle Bob to shoot their wedding. Oh, I'll do it for free. And you get what you pay for. My wedding. I had a photographer friend of mine from college shoot my wedding. Um, I was trying to save money. And, uh, you know, he lost half the film. Oh, no. Uh, so, oh, you know, no. When my daughters get married, I'm, I'm hiring two photographers and I'm hiring two of the best. <laughs> I'll pay $7,000, but I know what I'm going to get. You're going to get 
memories that last a lifetime. You're going to get work that stands up and speaks for itself. Uh, you're going to get the right look. You're going to deliver the, the, the right things to the right client that a lot of people don't understand. And mostly, most importantly, you won't have to shoot the photos for that way. You'll be just able to be the It's dad. going to be hard to sit there and not think of the, <laughs> the pictures happen, but no, no, not that time. Um, I know we've talked about a lot of doom and gloom here, Matt. What would you say is the most encouraging or positive development for newspaper photography as it stands now? Um, at least where I work, um, we, our photo department is the department that has the least turnover in the newspaper. So I think that speaks for itself as well. Um, we have a director of photography who encourages us to um, stretch and grow, kicks our butt when we need it, really cares about us. Um, I, I think I've seen actually picture usage turn around and get better um, at, this, at our paper. Um, it's, it's all what you make of it. You know, when this news came out, that they fired the whole staff, I was sitting in my hotel room and I literally got sick to my stomach. I was like, who's next? Nobody's expendable. I said, you know, it could be me, you know, hopefully good work speaks for itself. And I've got all those awards to show for it. I've kept all the emails from the editor saying, great job. You know, I keep all that stuff and hopefully that'll pay off in the long run, but nobody's expendable. You know, they lost John White, a Pulitzer prize winning photographer. Um, you know, it's the people that I work with that know the quality of work that comes out of here, but the people of corporate don't necessarily know that. Um, sometimes it comes down to, like I said, the, the dollar and, and what their plan is and what numbers they need to make. Um, you know, I, I just hope I'm just going to keep trying to do the same work I do every day, you know, for about, you know, 15 minutes. You know, there was almost this little personal pity party that was going on going, oh, my gosh, when's it going to happen next? But then, you know, I kind of set up and I stopped replying to all the Facebook things that were going on. A lot of people were sharing the post and giving their own opinions. And you know what? And I was going to type this out, but I didn't. But I said to myself, I'm done posting anything about it. I'm not going to reply to anything else. This is going to motivate me to come back and continue to do hard work do what I do best and hopefully honor those photographers that, that lost their job. You know, it's, it's up to us to keep moving forward and keep pushing the boundaries and keep trying to drive the bus at the newspaper and, and generate the assignments and, uh, you know, generate, you know, the camaraderie with the community and uh, just keep doing what we do to, to show that photography is essential and is needed. Mm. So I wanted to kind of wrap up by, you know, we always like to on the podcast kind of offer advice to young journalists. And I don't think we've ever really uh, kind of addressed young photographers. And, and I'm curious as to what you, what you tell young photographers, what you would say about a getting in the industry and, and B about getting better at the craft of photography. Well, I mean, I tell them hard work pays off. I'm glad I started when I was young. I really am. I think it benefited me. Um, and by learning the, the craft of hard work early and staying longer going early. You know, I tell them that, you know, they're nervous. They know what's going on. And if they aren't nervous, they were a week ago, you know, based on what's <laughs> going on. Uh, but right. we have a summer intern right now. And I tell them you're treated just like any other staffer. You know, I tell them you got to work twice as hard as you think you're going to work. You know, when you're here for an internship, 
you know, work those extra days off, you know, work on those things that are going to make you better to stand out, work on those things that are going to actually, you know, make the editors remember your work and what you do. I mean, I'll tell people it's, it's really hard. I mean, it's, I can't imagine trying to break into this industry right now. Thank God I did. I, you know, when I did, um, but I don't think that would have stopped me uh, from trying to break in. So I just tell them to keep working hard and, you know, anything you want to do, you can do. You just got to work hard at it and, you know. Good things will happen. Hopefully. Well, hopefully. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Matt, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Is there anything I always like to ask, you know, that classic reporter question, is there anything – that we haven't touched on that, that you feel is relevant to the discussion or that you wanted to add? I just, I just want people to continue doing what they do on a daily basis. Things like this are out of your control. You know, um, sometimes extra work, extra hard work pays off, but just keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to ride this thing out as long as I can. Um, I don't want to be a freelance photographer. This is all I've done since I picked up a camera. So I'm just going to keep, you know, keep riding this bus and, and, and hope for the best. I don't think newspaper photography is dead. I just think this is a bad, bad decision by one company. Um, and there's been a lot of great images and great work. That's been super examples of how powerful photography is, you know, since, you know, the firing of the photographer. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's about it. Very, very honest and very insightful. Matt Dietrich. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. You're welcome. All right, and the Telling the Story blog updates every Monday and Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. Thanks to Matt Dietrich from the Indie Star, and we'll see you next time.